tuning in to the 543rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening. I'm you for making me in this show part of your day, whether via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, the platform you may be listening to me via. I have a great podcast for all you guys today. I can have Nathan Swaffer on. He writes for Kansas 247 Sports. And we're going to preview everything. March Madness, the Sweet 16, Elite 8, that coming up this week. And also talk a little bit about Round 1 and Round 2 as we dwiddle down the Round of 64 and the Round of 32. Now, before we get to that conversation with Nathan, I'm going to get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Red Threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically use Spotify. I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you'd most like to listen to, folks. It is for your convenience. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Nitrant underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane uh, and you will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here. So it's my get show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, write for the pod that Fred and I word now, folks, but just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Come next to the break on Barbershop Sports. I'm going to have Nathan on. To talk everything, NCA, March Madness. Who's going that natty daddy? Oh, we're back with the Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Nathan Swaffer with us. He writes for Kansas 247. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's already been a month of madness, hasn't it? Yes, it absolutely has. So let's talk about this. So last time I had John kind of previewed round one, how round one will look at it. And now we can kind of have hindsight bias, right? Play a little Monday morning quarterback here. Uh what were some shocks for you in the first two rounds of the tournament? Well, I mean, you, know, you kind of have to start off with Purdue and FDU. I mean, only the second time a 16 seed's ever beaten one. Although, frankly, if there was going to be a one seed that would actually lose like that this year, it's going to be Purdue. Um, obviously, that's a big shock. Princeton over Arizona was another huge one. Um, I I had Arizona actually losing in the second round to Missouri, but I mean that's an Arizona team that had just won the Pac-12 tournament, and to see them go out as early as they did was pretty shocking, in my opinion. Um, and then obviously you kind of got to go to KU and Arkansas. Um, I, you know, we were talking earlier, and I said KU didn't match up well with Arkansas much at all, and we saw that Arkansas is as athletic, probably more athletic, they're unbelievably talented, and frankly, they could be anybody in the country, because they're just that good, um, but man, was it was it a first weekend, I mean, that's, that's probably as crazy of a weekend as I can remember, because even though maybe 
there wasn't as many upsets as we would have figured, it feels like almost every single game was close. Even in those first round matchups, it feels like anybody could have pulled the upset. What was a worse or one sixteen loss? The one that happened to Virginia a couple years ago, or this one with Purdue? Um, I mean, I probably look back at the Virginia UMBC as being the worst loss because Virginia got dominated that whole game. I mean, it it never really felt like they were ever in that game really, and UMBC. UMBC just played so well, and Virginia played as bad as they could. So, you know, on the surface, it feels like that one's the worst, but something about this one felt almost just as bad, maybe because it was almost like a slow, painful death for Purdue, because that game was close the whole way. And, you know, every time Purdue would get a big basket, FDU would come down and get one of their own. And it just, for Purdue, it never felt like they were ever going to be able to get back in that game because FDU just played so good. They played as, pretty much as good as good as they could, essentially. You know, it's kind of cool to see the tallest team in the country in Purdue get beat by the smallest team in the country in FDU. So I think in that sense, that one is as bad in its own right. But overall, I would still tend to deal with the Virginia UMBC game as being the worst so your team the Kansas Jayhawks they lose to Arkansas and you mentioned last week Arkansas was really a team to watch out for potentially being a bracket buster but how shocking real time was it for you to see the AC take down the number one uh, it was not shocking to me whatsoever um, I remember sitting in the KU media room with other members uh, and beat writers for KU basketball, and when we saw Arkansas in that possible second-round matchup, we all kind of said that's a very losable game for KU because they just don't match up with Arkansas well at all because of the athleticism, because of the speed, because of the length, the size. It was not an ideal matchup for KU, and you know, give credit to Arkansas, especially in the second half. They played incredibly well, and they took advantage especially when KU was in foul trouble with KJ Adams and Ernest Uday, when they were on the floor, Arkansas thrived in scoring in the lane. And that's what they had done well all year long. And for that period, really, where neither of those guys were in the game and they were having to rely on Zach Clements or Zuby Edgefor, Arkansas really took advantage of that. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible how much they turned it around in that second half because there were periods especially in the first half, where it looked like KU might run away with that game because they were just playing unbelievably good defense because they were making Arkansas win behind the arc. You know, Arkansas was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. And even with mid-range jump shots, they weren't good either. But you got to give credit to Devo Davis. I mean, a career-high 25 points against the one seed. He played unbelievable. Jared Walsh played an unbelievably good defensive game against Jalen Wilson and limited him a lot. I mean, Arkansas played about as well as they could, and KU didn't. KU didn't play a bad game, per se, but 
it got to him, especially the foul trouble. That's one of the, my main observations from that game is the foul trouble absolutely killed Katie down low. And then Kevin McCoy late in the game fouling out, who, you know, is probably their best defender alongside DeWan Harrison. That just kept stacking up and stacking up, and Arkansas got that momentum. And, you know, even there were some mental mistakes by KU not being aggressive on the glass, letting some offensive rebounds happen. Dwan Harris's 10-second violation, and when I, they were up two or three, but that kind of turned the tide as well. So, But you have to give that a point to Arkansas because they played about as well as they could, and it's very possible that they come out of that region in the Final Four. What's the most disappointing second-round exit for you? Duke losing in the second round or Kentucky losing in the second round? Because these were two teams that were really predicted to have a lot of success to begin the year. Well, you got to look at both of these teams that they were underdogs in these games, technically. Duke was going up against a very good, very physical, very big Tennessee team that has shown flashes of how good they can be all year. When they played KU um, in the Balfour Atlantis, they absolutely just demolished them. Admittedly, KU had some injuries and some foul trouble, but they still absolutely dominated that game. Tennessee is an unbelievably good team, and then going to the Kentucky and K-State game, K-State is an unbelievably good team. Jerome Tang should be the national coach of the year. What he's done with that program already is just unbelievable. Marquise Noel is as gritty as any player I've seen. He kind of reminds me of Frank Mason. Almost, he's got, he's a little, he's, well, he's not a little guy, but he's undersized for a point guard, but he is as aggressive, as motivated as anybody on the floor at any given point, and then Keontae Johnson as well, Dylan suit That case, a team, is really good. So, I have to go and probably look at the deep game as the more disappointing exit for a second-round team, but you also have to, you have to look at it and say, Duke was a five seed. They had some inconsistencies throughout the year, and that came back to fight the NCAA tournament game, but Tennessee's an unbelievably good team. Tennessee, that was a team that we talked about potentially being a team we wouldn't have been surprised if they lost in the first round or they lost in the second round, and now they're in the Sweet 16. So how do you like Tennessee's chances uh, to get to a Final Four? Uh, you got to look at it. you got to be pretty confident. This is... The East, we, we talked about last week as being one of the more open regions. Because they had a pretty weak one seed, Marquette. We weren't sure about it. What Shaka Smart we were going to get. We got Texas Shaka Smart. And now you, now you look at who's left in that region of FAU, Tennessee, K-State, and Michigan State. And frankly, anybody could make it out here. FAU has been playing incredibly well. Tennessee, we obviously saw what they did to do. K-State is one of the best coach teams in the nation. And then you can't ever, ever overlook Tom Izzo in March because he's done this before with lower-seeded Michigan State teams where they've gone far. So I think right now the favorite, though, has to be K-State to get out of this region. They were incredibly impressive against Kentucky, and they're playing at the top of their game right now. Um, I think we're probably headed for an Elite Eight matchup between Tennessee and K-State. Now, this is where I get concerned for K-State because Tennessee's so big. Um, 
State will dominate smaller teams, and K-State isn't the biggest team. Um, they kind of have a similar makeup to KU. They're not the biggest. They're a bit undersized. Now, we've seen that sometimes size doesn't matter in Purdue and FDU, but I, I hope we get that lead eight matchup between Tennessee and K-State. And I'd probably, at that rate, pick Tennessee to make it out of the region. But we'll see if Rick Barnes can finally get the volunteers to a Final Four, but this is probably his best chance he's gotten so far. Michigan State, though, Sweet 16. Is this one of the most shocking Sweet 16 teams for you? No. In fact, it's not shocking to me at all. Because, you know, kind of like I said, Tom Izzo, I feel like we forget how good of a coach Tom Izzo can be and is. We don't see the consistency with Michigan State that we do with other blue bloods. But Tom Izzo is still an unbelievably good coach, and he shines in March. He has found ways to get the most out of his not-as-talented Michigan State teams. We saw it a few years ago where I think Michigan State was, I think they were an eight or nine seed, but they were one of those lower seeds, and he got them all the way to the final four. Tom Izzo can get the best out of his players. So for me, it's not shocking at all that they're there. And I could easily see them getting all the way to Houston. So the most shocking team for me in the Sweet 16 is Princeton. Shout out to all those Ivy League schools out there making it to the Sweet 16. If I would have told you Princeton would have been in the Sweet 16, what would you have said? I would have said you're uh, smoking something. But <laughs> Princeton, you know, those Ivy League teams can always make sense in the tournament. You know, we don't always see it, but they're talented. They're really good. I remember when KU played Penn a few years ago in a 116 matchup. This was actually the same year that Virginia lost to UMBC. Everybody was saying that Penn might be KU because that KU team wasn't particularly strong and Penn was really good. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. But Ivy League schools can never be overlooked because they can do some tough challenges. And We've seen how good they can be. I mean, the Arizona win is impressive in and of itself, but then to not only go to the Sweet 16 by beating Missouri, but to essentially crush a Missouri team that was one of the best Power 5 scoring teams in the nation and allow only 63 points, that's incredibly impressive. And, you know, as much as I would like to see Princeton keep the Cinderella run going, I think they're going to run into a buzzsaw. In Creighton, that that Creighton team is incredibly good, and I like what they're doing right now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and then kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports, so we're gonna talk a little bit more about these Sweet Sixteen matchups. Kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, folks. $1,000. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. 
plus with same game parlay spreads, money lines, over unders, props. Your betting options feel endless. It never ends, folks. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever, wherever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPN. Make your first deposit and get risk-free bets up to $1,000 again. That's promo code TPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports. I'm left. Nathan with us. So, Nathan, Alabama, number one overall seed. They got here fairly convincingly. Uh, I'm going to see them versus San Diego State. What are the chances San Diego State could pull off the upside? Or is it more of the same? Oh, it's, it, it's entirely possible. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I picked San Diego, San Diego State to lose to Charleston um, in the first round this year. I like that Charleston team a lot. And San Diego State hasn't been always the most convincing this season. And then obviously, you know, they get what some would call a pretty easy matchup in the second round against Furman after they beat Virginia. But Furman's also a good team. So... It's entirely possible that they can beat Alabama because Alabama at times has not played up to their potential this year. And, you know, San Diego State is a team that can play well on both ends, and we've seen it um, at times this season. So it's a possibility. You know, you can never overlook a 5 seed because they can really give someone a run for their money. Um, But I don't think it's going to happen in this scenario. I think Bama has just played way too well lately. So I think I'm not going to say they're going to beat San Diego State up really badly, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it be a 10, 15 point margin in the end. So Creighton versus Princeton. What's the key for Princeton to pull up yet another upset? Really, they're going to have to slow down Creighton. Offensively, um, we've seen Creighton, especially near the beginning of the season, we've seen them play inconsistently. Um, we really have. And they, they've proven that they are beatable at times. Now, I think I mentioned last week, I thought Creighton could easily make it out of this region um, and possibly. I'm not saying they could win the championship, but this team, they have the makeup that they could do it because coming into the season, everybody was so high on And I saw how motivated and good that team is when they faced KU last year in the round of 32 and how banged up they were, but just how well they played. And, you know, then you got to look at the guys that they've actually got and run Cockrenner is an unbelievably good big man. Um, Trey Alexander, Baylor, Sherman, I think is how you pronounce it. But, I mean, their entire team is stacked, and they can really score the ball. So for Princeton, they're going to have to limit what they can do offensively, how well they can move the ball. And then we've seen that Princeton can score if they need to. They did it against Missouri. Now, admittedly, Missouri and Creighton defensively aren't the same two teams. But... 
Clemson has that scoring ability. Um, so really, they're, you're going to have to find a way to slow down, especially Ryan Cockbrenner, because he can kill you in so many ways, and he can help facilitate moving on the floor with how mobile he can be as a big man. And really, they're just going to have to line it up as well, make sure that they, they get some points on the board, because I have a feeling they're probably going to need it. So out of San Diego State, Creighton, and Princeton, which one of those three teams has the best chance of interrupting an Alabama Final Four? I like Creighton. I really like Creighton. I like what they've been doing lately. I mean, the Baylor score, you know, only a nine-point margin. That doesn't really tell how dominant Creighton was in that game. Um, they, they essentially controlled it start to finish. They had an impressive win against a really good NC State team in the first round. And really near the end of the season, they started to come on well again. And I mentioned when we talked last week on the pod that I thought Creighton really was a Cinderella team that could make it all the way to the Final Four. But my feeling is that they're going to run into Alabama in a late game. So, But I think they could do it. I really think they could. They have the talent. They're well coached. And they're close. They, they really seem like a team that's close together. They can play well. They can get through difficulties and struggles during the game. So I could easily see Creighton getting out of this region. So in the East region, you have FAU versus Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is going to have the edge in this one talent-wise. But do you think FAU has the, any chance to pull off the upset? I think for sure they have a chance. I mean, they wouldn't be here unless... You know, they won some tough games. I mean, watching that Memphis game in the first round, they really showed some grit. I thought for sure Memphis was going to pull that out, and then they didn't. So, And then, obviously, FDU gave them a hell of a matchup. Um, I feel like Florida Atlantic's been overlooked a lot this season. I mean, there's a reason they're a nine seed. They're just that good. And there, there's always a chance that they can pull an upset. But I also think they're kind of running into a buzzsaw of a Tennessee team right now that is riding high after handling Duke pretty well in round 32. So I think FAU obviously has a chance, but I think Tennessee's playing too well right now, and I think by far they're the more talented team. Who's your favorite to come out of this region? I think I mentioned it a bit earlier. I still like Tennessee to come out of it. Tennessee? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. But I can easily see K-State or Michigan State coming out as well because, you know, like I said, March Tom Izzo is an unbelievable, unbelievable thing to witness. And then K-State is playing really motivated right now. And, you know, Jerome Tang should be the coach of the year because he's just been that good. But... I, I do like Tennessee to come out of the East right now. That would set up a, set up a Tennessee-Alabama Final Four, wouldn't it? Tennessee-Alabama? Yep, if Bama were to make it out. I mean, that'd be, that'd be a hell of a Final Four matchup, and it'd be fun to watch. It's always fun to watch conference opponents go toe-to-toe in a Final Four game. I mean, we saw it with Duke and Carolina last year. so And they, they match up pretty well size-wise. So it'd be, it'd be a fun one to watch. So let's look at the Midwest. So you're going to have Houston versus Miami here. 
How do you see that matchup playing? This is an interesting one because, I'll be honest, I did not expect Houston to make it this far. I kind of thought they may lose to Northern Kentucky in the first round. And frankly, at Northern Kentucky, that missed almost every shot they took. They probably would have beaten Houston. But here they are, then Houston had an unbelievable second half against Auburn. But I, I really like this Miami team. I mean, they, their guard play is probably the best in the nation. Isaiah Long, Nigel Pack, um, oh, Jordan Miller, I think is his name as well. Um, they're just, they're so talented with their guard play. And they can light it up as well. I did not expect them to beat Indiana, and then they, they handled it pretty well. So I, I think Miami could win this game, and they... I wouldn't say they should be favored right now, but I think I think they're probably going to win this game against Houston because I've not been as impressed with Houston all season, and Miami's battle tested. They've got they can score. As I said, they've got unbelievable guard play. So I, I think Miami might and probably will win this game. And then you have Xavier versus Texas. This, to me, this is one of the sneaky good matchups. Of the weekend. How do you see this matchup unfolding? This is another pretty interesting one. And, you know, Xavier, kind of how I look at it, is in the same position to where Houston was. I thought they were going to lose to Kennesaw State in the first round, and then they come in and beat a really good pit team pretty convincingly in the round of 32. And then, man, this Texas team, I think I said it last week, they're the deepest team in this tournament. And, they're getting an unbelievable play out of everybody right now. So it this, this is a hard one for me to pick because both these teams are so talented. But I like Texas right now because I think they have that edge in multiple components because they're playing well, because they're deep, because they're talented. And frankly, Rodney Terry has shown that he can be a head coach at the Power 5 level and that he can be efficient. This is coaching, so I, I like Texas in this game, I'd say. And then your favorite out of this region? I think I'd have to stick with Texas. Um, Texas has, a, in my opinion, they have a nice swagger team as well. I mean, they've, they've heard the talk. They've, they've heard that people don't want them to go far. They, I think they're motivated. I think they know that this is their time, this is their chance, and they've got probably the best team that they've had in a long time. So I like, I, I, I'd say I like Texas to come out of this region. If a Big 12 team wins a national championship, who has the better shot, Kansas State or Texas? Uh, it's, it's Texas. Um, I love K-State, I really do. Um, but they've got a tougher road they probably have to beat Tennessee and Alabama just to get to the championship game. So, I like Texas, and I think it's very possible that they could go all the way. And then you have the West here. Obviously, we know what you think of Arkansas. You're probably going to pick Arkansas to be UConn, right? I'm not. Really? Okay. I'm going to pick UConn to win this game, and here's why I'm a bit concerned about Arkansas. 
they have been inconsistent this season. That's partly why they only wound up with an eight seed. We've seen what they can do. We've seen the flashes. And then they've let down soon after. Unfortunately for Arkansas, I'm feeling a letdown here. Um, and part of me kind of hopes I'm wrong. Because this Arkansas team is actually pretty fun to watch because of how talented they are, how hard they play, and how well they're coached. I mean, Eric Musselman's an unbelievably good coach, and I feel like he gets overlooked a lot. But unfortunately, this is just my gut talking, but I'm feeling a letdown right now from Arkansas. UConn's been a good team all season, and they play really well. And they've had a good tournament so far. I mean, they beat an unbelievably underrated Iona team at 24 in the first round and then handled their business against St. Mary's. So UConn, in my opinion, has been one of the more impressive teams so far this tournament, and I like that to be Arkansas. Then we have Gonzaga versus UCLA. I think this is potentially the best game of the Sweet 16. How do you see that matchup unfolding? I tend to agree with you. I think this will end up being one of the best games um, from the Sweet 16. You have two teams who are, in my opinion, they're very similar. They have talent, you know, out the wazoo on both teams. And both of them had pretty good first-round matchups, and then they kind of struggled in their second-round matchups. But nonetheless, they both found a way. So... This, this one's going to be an exciting one for me, and I think you can't overlook how motivated Gonzaga is right now to essentially silence everybody. We kind of heard it um, from Drew Timmy after they won um, in that pretty, pretty good post-game interview. So this, this is the one that is hard to pick for me, but I'm going to go with the just slightly more talented team of UCLA. And then I assume that by that, UCLA you would have making it to the Final Four, right? I do have UCLA making it to the Final Four and a potential um, UConn-UCLA Elite Eight. I like them just a little bit more right now. What team do you think is most likely, out of all the teams left in the Sweet 16, to surprise us all and to really bust up some more brackets? Nathan, I'm thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate coming on, and hopefully more madness to come this weekend.
And once again, I want to thank Nathan Swafford for coming on the show, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in this episode, the 543rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.